0: Sub Freaks it's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip with Tom Luongo. Holy shit. Always interesting. I mean, it's the first time I've actually caught up with Tom. This is the second time on the show he came on earlier in the year, I believe in April, to put forward his theory that the Fed is embroiled with a fight against the Davos class. Considering everything that's happened since April when we had our first conversation, I thought it was a good time to catch up with Tom, and he's makes a very convincing and compelling case that this is actually what's going on right now. These war games behind the scenes that me and you don't get direct access to. Tom has taken the time to work through the incentives of all the parties involved in this dick measuring contest between giants. Fascinating stuff going on right now you guys are going to enjoy it this is was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained capital right down the hall from where i'm sitting right now ah, let me clear my throat a little bit unchained is here to provide you with the best way to buy bitcoin no longer are you going to need to go to an exchange buy bitcoin have that exchange hold your bitcoin on your behalf for a little bit and then eventually you spin up a wallet figure out how to get your addresses. You plug your wallet in, you copy, you paste, you send it all over. It's a long process. It's a hard process. Unchain is here to make it easy. What you do is you go to unchained.com slash trading. And when you buy Bitcoin from Unchain, it goes straight to two or three multi-sig cold storage. storage. Spin up a two or three multi-sig vault. You hold two keys. So you always have control of your Bitcoin, your UTXOs. And then when you go to buy, you don't even think about it. You set it and forget it. You buy, it goes straight to cold storage. You buy, it goes straight to cold storage. No need to hassle with keys or wallets or anything like that. It's a beautiful thing. It's available in 36 states right now, I believe. That number's gone up consistently week in, week out since we started pumping the trading desk. So if you want to buy Bitcoin, the safest... The best way possible. I've used it. It's beautiful. Go check. Make sure your state. It's available in your state. Go to unchained.com slash trading. Feel free to reach out to their trading team. They'll walk you through the process and get you set up. Tell them the TFTC sent you. This was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. 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 Brains is here to bring you all the mining tools you'll need. You need a mining pool to point to? Brains pool. There. Oldest pool in Bitcoin. First pool in Bitcoin. Stood the test of time. You need firmware to get more hash out of your ASICs, to stack more sats eventually. Boom. Brains OS Plus auto-tuning firmware. Right now, with mining margins as thin as they are, if you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains OS Plus and you're not using it, you're an irresponsible operator. You're leaving sats on the table. Nobody leaves sats on the table when margins are this thin. You need to get every sat you can. Go download Brains OS Plus auto-tuning firmware. Need a mining farm proxy? Boom, Brains has it for you. Need an insights dashboard with all the data that you need? Boom, Brains has it for you. Insights.brains.com. Need a blog to learn about mining? Boom, Brains has it. Go to brains.com, dot .com. To check out all of these products i'm a user of all of them i'm actually a contributor to one of them the mining handbook i wrote the forward this room was also brought to you by good friends at Hado Hado. Hado Hado is here to bring you a lending platform it's peer-to-peer no kyc no aml lower rates than other lenders on the market and it leverages bitcoin's native multi-sig properties so what you do is you put your bitcoin up as collateral. In a two or three multi-sig escrow wallet, you hold one key, your counterparty in the loan holds one key, and then Hoddle holds the third key. Since you have one key in that two or three multi-sig setup, you have visibility into the escrow account throughout the duration of your loan so that you know that your SATs aren't being rehypothecated. And if you pay your stable coin loan back, plus the interest associated with it, at the end of the day, you're gonna get your SATs back from that escrow account uh, if you're on the lending side of this, if you have stable coins you want to get yield on, you put them up to be lent out to these Bitcoiners looking for liquidity. You attach an interest rate to that, and you get paid back. And if you don't get paid back, you get the sats, and the escrow account works the other way. Uh, again, no KYC, no AML, peer-to-peer, and it has lower rates than many of the other lending desks out there. Well, it's not really a desk, it's a marketplace, other lending marketplaces out there. So go to lend.hoddlehoddle.com to check this out. This It was also brought to you by our good friends at CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is here to change the way we approach healthcare. I just sat down with Andy Skrunova, the founder of CrowdHealth, came out of retirement to start this because he was so passionate about fixing the corrupt and opaque health insurance industry. To be clear, this isn't health insurance. It's a different way to take care of your healthcare cost. If you go to joincrowdhealth.com slash tftc. You can join the Bitcoin community. And if you use the code TFTC, you're going to get $99 a month for the first six months, which is a great deal on uh, becoming a CrowdHealth member. The way it works is if you have a health event and you have a bill, you tell CrowdHealth, hey, I'm going to go to the doctor. Do you have any doctors that you recommend? They'll hook you up with a doctor. Or if you go to one, um, they'll begin communicating with them. Once you go, you get your bill. You bring it to CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth takes the bill. It lowers... Uh, it it negotiates with the doctor to lower uh, your bill. And they're able to do this because they're able to pay cash uh, directly to the doctors immediately. And doctors like this, you don't have to deal with all the bureaucratic bullshit and administrative bullshit that comes with uh, the insurance companies in this model. Uh, When you get the bill, when it's negotiated down, you get your final bill. You put up the first $500 and then the bill goes out to the community and you crowdsource uh, your your healthcare bill. 100% of the bills have been paid to date. They cannot guarantee that going forward, but the model seems to be working very well. I'm a crowd health member, my family, we are crowd health members. Uh, we have personal health advocate who walks us through everything that we may have questions about, who deals with us directly. We're not calling a 1-800 number and getting some rando every time. We have the same health advocate every time we, we have a health event. Uh, you pay your monthly fee it goes into a dedicated bank account that you control if you ever decide to leave crowd health for any reason you take that money with you and again they have a bitcoin community so part of your monthly fee goes into that fiat bank account and part will be rolled into bitcoin that you can hold uh, alongside your cash balance to speculative attack your future healthcare costs also there is a standard for crowd health you have to be uh, within certain um uh, you have to be this, of certain stature of health, so you're joining a community of healthier people who have less health care costs um, over time. And So you're, you're likely not going to be paying a bunch of bills for others within the community. Go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. Check out the episode I recently recorded with Andy. And enjoy this, Red Freaks. Tom's got some crazy thoughts, and I like them. De-de-de. We can
1: go live. Scars lit. I got we're not going
0: live, but we're recording this.
1: Okay, that's fine. I mean, I I will warn. I am on Starlink, and it is a little overcast. So if I flake out, you may have to do an edit to two here or there. Just so you know.
0: That's fine. Okay, just want to let you know. Is, is SpaceX subsidizing your your Starlink mm. like they are in Ukraine?
1: No, they're not. Absolutely not. I'm not. I'm not Ukrainian. That's the problem. So you know, if I was and. Then... He's if I was out. a neo-Nazi and I was Ukrainian, then I would be getting free starlight.
0: <laughs> the uh, yeah, the backlash for him asking for the government to to pay him.
1: Pretty... I thought that was brilliant on his part. Actually, it really was very it was really very strong. Like I think he's he's playing a very interesting game, Musk is, So,
0: well, they're going to come after him now. They're, it seems like they're positioning to tie him to Putin.
1: Oh yeah, Because yeah, yeah. well, that? I mean, every anybody who doesn't you know, give full throated support to you know. You grow Nazis and, and uh and World War Three is obviously a Putin puppet, like duh. It's just like everybody to the right of Karl Marx is a you know fascist who wants to put us all in camps.
0: Yeah, it's the weird thing about this year. I mean, it's been many years in the making, but mm-hmm. the binary options that individuals are given on all these issues the, the and they're free... false binaries. Oh yes, exactly. I mean, I wrote a newsletter about it last Friday because we people yeah, yeah, need to understand, understand that they're being put into this narrative framework from which they're given two options. They're either pro-America, anti-Putin, or pro-Putin, anti-freedom, which is-
1: Yeah, well, it, it's always been that way. I and mean, that's that's the, it's the Straussian thing. Like give them two choices, you know, one of which is wholly unacceptable. The other one, which is, you know, uh, no one even would have considered under normal circumstances in order to synthesize and get what they actually, that's the Straussian, two, what I call the Straussian two-step, or the, it's really a Hegel over and over and over again. It's just nothing new. Yeah, the Hegelian uh, dialect. The Hegelian dialectic, what, and what Leo Strauss, you know, taught an entire generation how to do. So I like to call it the Straussian two-step just to, you know, give it a-, a little flair. Just, just give it a twist. To, just give it a twist to get everybody to think about it. You know what I
0: mean?
1: well, It's not the... fun if you don't, if you don't put a, you know, you don't make it, if you don't make it sarcastic, it doesn't stick. It's like comedy is the best way to expose these people, so
0: yes we need to ridicule these people more uh, in a a very cogent comedic way because you can only
1: laugh at at what's going on i mean they're well Well, you can do more than that but you know like (laughs) we can cry about it but that ain't gonna do us any good either right so
0: no so outside of like the strassi model the, the the false binaries that are given to people like what are the other options in your mind Well the other option
1: is 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 to always, you know, ask yourself why are they pushing those two options on you? Right? Why are they trying to restrict nuance? Why are they trying to put you in one camp versus the other and taking all the all the other options away? Whenever somebody's giving you you only have whenever somebody's giving you an ultimatum, it's because they're in a weak position. Okay. So by saying you're either with us or against us, or you're pro-Putin, you're anti-Putin, or you're this or you're that. By doing that, what they're doing is they're giving you an ultimatum. You have two choices. You can either submit to what I say, or you're gonna oppose me. And by defining everything that's not their position as wrong, then you know it takes away all possibility for you know, negotiation, you know, resolution and everything else. And diplomacy is the art of negotiation, right? Diplomacy is the art of saying, all right, well, I hear what you want. You hear what I want. And what's, you know, let's work out an agreement that no one's happy with. That's what diplomats are supposed to do. Do we see anybody doing that?
0: No, it's been ripped off the table. And then Elon is getting destroyed for tweeting. Okay, here's probably what should happen.
1: Mm -hmm. (sighs) That's exactly right. That's that, and that's and that is the mechanism of a bully, and the mechanism of a tyrant, and the mechanism of somebody who has an agenda that is not going to be um, uh, tolerated. That uh, opposition to which is not going to be tolerated. Period. So they have their goal. So now it's just a question of whether or not they can, you know, beat it into our heads long enough and hard enough that we're going to go along with their goal. I got news for you. Fuck you. No, just not doing it. Like I'm just going to keep saying no, and I'm going to keep saying. No, there are other options, and we have to keep saying no. There are other options, and when given the opportunity, to you know, just call just call nonsense on it. You know, just call bullshit on it. Go, you no, know, oh, that's you're just being a bully. You know, and only and only bullies act this way. Only people with very weak positions act this way, because bullies are ultimately weak. They don't, they can't win through persuasion; they can only win with you know the bludgeon
0: force and in this is a rhetorical
1: budget and it's you know 40 percent bots on twitter
0: <laughs> that's been one of my favorite trends in recent months is your uh quote tweet bot response calling them out yeah, yeah no,
1: exactly well, there they are just bot. well oh look the bots think they have friends now oh look the bots think they're alive now you just make fun of it like again as always agree and amplify make fun of it and just and, and don't feed the trolls because when you mean you call them a bot even if they're not a bot God forbid you you know if you get it wrong one out of ten times who cares like it's not like it's a person you want to talk to anyway It's not like it's a person you want to have a conversation with like they might as well be a bot and they're like I'm not a bot okay you're not a bot but you're acting like one yeah in public no less you never how little self-respect do you have
0: <laughs> never apologize to the bots so there's bots and then there's NPCs that are indistinguishable right. from from bots
1: exactly exactly
0: and so going back to like I mean I believe I know you, and I hope you know that I am going to keep saying, fuck you. Like, you're not pushing us down this path. It doesn't right. make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense to me. Do you think there's any penetration of this fec- fuck you mentality eking into the broader populace as we send billions and billions of dollars over there with no accountability on the back end? Do you think people are beginning to wake up to this insanity? Do you think, or do you think similar to what happened post 9 11? Leading up to the Iraq War, the propaganda machine, the war machine is being successful
1: in ginning up hatred. I don't, I don't. think it's been successful at all. I think it's been insanely unsuccessful. All the polling coming into the midterms is they the only thing less um, on America's Americans minds than the war in Ukraine is the January 6th trials. <laughs>
0: Anything
1: that's only slightly more on their minds than the Ukraine war is abortion. And these are the Democrats, you know, three things they're running on. Like, they're losing, they've lost the PR war. They sent Zelensky on tour, for Christ's sake, for seven months. I said this in my Ron Paul talk, the, the Ron Paul talk in June. I said, they put him on tour like he's fucking Shakira, for Christ's sake, and it didn't work. Yeah, you know, and they- is taking his ass in public and doing the whole thing and you know and like tucker carlson's out there going who is this guy in a friggin' t-shirt and a green screen to shake us down for money
0: right well he's got bono right. visiting him ben stiller is yeah. visiting him all the celebrities mm-hmm. are going over there
1: you No, know, celebrities are paid to do what they're what they're supposed to do you know it's uh it's it, all that's a big bill hicks routine <laughs> <laughs> and you it- know what i'm talking about yeah
0: it's, uh...
1: well, it's not the, it's all a ride folks. It's all suck Satan's cock. Like it's all, <laughs> it's all bend the knee and suck Satan's cock. That's what this is about. You know, I, 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 it's funny. Like as my, as my profile rises, I find myself every once in a while just wanting to make sure everybody that I'm salty. And that, because I, I don't want to, it's like I almost don't want to, you know, get too big too quickly. Like, I want to make sure that there's enough backlog of, of moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm completely not Fox News material. You know? Yeah. Cause I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be too big. I don't want to, you know, I just want to be, because that way I'm still free. I, I don't have to worry about them come taking me out. Because, like, you know, too many people, I, it, I again, it's just enough people that I just got an email from a woman said, you're brilliant. You're outstanding, but you curse too much. I'm like, I'm sorry.
0: Sorry for I can't fucking curse.
1: I'm like, okay. Yeah. I've gotten that before.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it like stop know, I, cursing I don't know how emails. You get it,
1: but, yeah, I get it all the time. I time.
0: because I used to curse a lot. I, I don't as much anymore, but in the newsletter, I used to curse a lot on people. I, I of
1: do emails. here and there. I mean, it depends on the podcast. It depends on the uh, on the media appearance. You know, it depends on the host and what they want. And I'm more than willing to be, you know, low energy and, you know, kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, fit for human consumption. As it were, um, and then there are other times when I'm like, you know what, no, and I, I, you know, it's it's a it's a thing you do, it's a it's a persona you play every once in a while just to make sure that everybody knows what's going on, and uh, you know, you, you you I know that the persona should be consistent, but at the same time, I think it's maybe better, you know, sometimes to just let things fly, yeah. you know when you can be, because everybody is this salty when the cameras aren't talking, when the cameras aren't, right, everybody is a salty. We all, you know, we all act like, you know, especially especially high performance men, especially, you know, high alpha men, you know, and in, in high, you know, with, with high degrees of, of, uh, of competence, you know, we all just, you know, let the invective fly on a regular basis. We all say things that we're not supposed to say in public, but you know, something, you know what, like, it is what it is, like, we all know it. So why are you trying to, you know, why are you trying to censor yourself? Because can you imagine what happens when the when the, the cameras are turned off, you know, anywhere like it's it's, it's just it's just silly.
0: No, let like, I was going to say it's freeing, let the tea flow. And I think we're actually re, re, like reaching a point where like the talking heads on CNBC or Bloomberg or the people who try to put on this perfect persona, it's becoming so obviously un or excuse me, inauthentic that it's like you can tell like because of independent media and people like yourself getting your voice and your perspective out there and people really resonating with it. Like, hey, this is how I think they go and they'll yeah. see somebody talking proper on CNBC and it's just so blatantly robotic and, and scripted. that People have, a, at least yeah. I do, have a, like a natural re- aversion to it.
1: Sure. And I, I, it's funny, I, I, just, I just did uh, a five or seven minute segment for RT International about an hour ago. Uh, so I've been on RT, I think now, like three or four times in the last couple weeks, uh, which is very nice. And they're always very polite. Oh, by the way, the Russian media is always very, very polite and, you know, almost unfailingly polite. And meanwhile, the, the you know, I never get a phone call from the American media, of course. Um, and I, you know, I always put on the best. I always put on my best, uh, my best front and um, and do so uh, knowing full well that I've got the non-salty uh verbal pattern and I've got the salty verbal pattern, right? Uh, and you just, you have to practice both, you know, for every every moment. So, you know, whenever you're, and you have to be able to, to shift with the time. So, and the best thing of course, is to match the energy of the person you're working with. So today I'm working with you, you're laid back and, you know, thing, and we're gonna do the thing or we're, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna lean back in my chair, smoke a cigar, have a have a cup of coffee and we'll have a nice informal chat.
0: Well, so. I'm happy that you, you feel this way on this show because it does bring out the best uh, of the guests. It's just comfortable. We're here to have a chat. No censorship. Don't self censor. The world is crazy right now, and people need good information, which is what I think you've been providing, and why I want you back on today. But we're not today specifically, but now considering uh-huh. our first conversation was in like April or May of right. this year, and you put forth your your thesis that what we're witnessing is at least in financial mar- markets is the Fed versus davos class uh and everything that has played out since then with the rate hikes uh inflation with the posturing from the fed particularly right now seems to be pointing in that direction so uh very interested to get an update on your thoughts on what's going on behind the scenes because it's getting chaotic it seems like the the fed is dead set on just completely breaking credit markets at some point in the next quarter i I
1: think I, I think they have to, Marty. This is the thing. This is what I was trying to say earlier in the year. And even when we, you and I first spoke back in April and May, um, I wasn't, I don't remember if it was April or May, but I remember, and let's look at the beginning of this year. I, I was as hawkish, and you and I hadn't spoken then. We weren't in each other's orbit then. But, you know, with my patrons and, you know, informally, I was saying to people, yeah, I can see the Fed doing the seven, 7 25 basis point rate hikes this year. Go to 1.75 percent by the end of the year. Um, everybody, you know, many of the people I talked to said, "No, nah, they'll 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 do two or three, or they'll even get to one percent, and then they'll have to give one back, and they'll do this." Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I thought I was being hawkish at 1.75 to two percent by the end of the year. Privately or internally, I was like, "Powell, you need to go to four percent. You need to really take these people down. If you're if you're the guy, I think you are." You need to go to four percent by the end of the year, but politically, I don't know if you can get away with that, or you know, will you break? I don't, you know, I didn't understand the plumbing of the capital markets even as well then as I do now, and I don't for the, for any, you know, for any large values of competence. Do so I believe that I'm competent in understanding the the uh, the, the plumbing of the capital markets? I'd, I've never wanted to be that guy, right? I never wanted to be a guy who understood these things this way. I've had to learn it, you know, slowly but surely at times I've even larked as a guy who thinks he knows something about the plumbing of the financial markets. And well then, you know, behind the scenes going, okay, uh, clearly this is what's happening and you need to understand this stuff better. So you need to get into it more. And thankfully I have the greatest patrons in the world because they're all inspired by what I've talked about and gotten them, their brains firing and their brain cells are, you know, popping off left and right. And they're saying stuff. And they're bringing ideas to me, and then we're riffing off of each other back and forth in the, our private, you know, chat server, and uh, our private community. And you know, lo and behold, I'm having to you know up my game in real time, and then look for better indicators or create better indicators to see if I'm right about this stuff, you know, and take my own intuition and my ability to, you know, understand and map everybody's incentives and then see how it plays and see how that all, you know, distills itself down into actual movements, actual actions that you see in the real world, statements made by certain people, actions taken in uh, by other people in response to actions taken by somebody else. So, you know, every time Jerome Powell makes a hawkish statement, Janet Yellen's always there a week later trying to undermine it, right? Well, doesn't matter what the actual effect of these things is, right? What matters is is that every time Powell tries to do X, Yellen tries to do not X.
0: Which is very right. interesting, considering right. Janet's a former chairwoman of the Fed. She handed mm-hmm. it over to Jay Powell. And you don't really see that much interfighting between Fed governors or some, or at least, chair and, tra-
1: and, and the Treasury Department. Yeah. right, And the, and the Treasury Secretary. It is very weird. And as opposed to just going back and defaulting on, well, they've always, you know, gotten along in the past and they've always done blah, 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 Like, no, something's different. You have to be willing to just say something is different. And the problem is, and this is what I've been trying to um, uh, illuminate or elucidate for people, is that maybe the factions you thought existed weren't the factions that are the factions that actually exist. Maybe there's something else going on here. Like as a libertarian, you know, in philosophically and, and as a, as an Austrian economist, you know, by train by personal training, again, no degree in economics or anything. You can't, you know, can't point to my resume and say, see, I'm, I, I've got this great resume and, bubble And because of that, I can appeal from. I can use the appeal from authority perspective. I can't do that. What I can say is this. But what we learn in both by you know by by mapping things both as a libertarian politically and as an Austrian economist economically are the are the following, which is that incentives matter. People always act in their best, always want to act in their best interest, even if roadblocks are put up in front of them to keep them from doing what they want to do in the most efficient manner, right? So regulatory capture, Davos is really good at putting up a roadblock from you doing the thing you want to do, right? Doesn't matter what it is, and then you have to then create a workaround, and that workaround is then, you know, creates an inefficiency, which raises the cost of doing the thing, which effectively is a barrier to entry, and keeps certain small players out of the market and advantages their guys at the at the expense of uh, of the little man, of anybody challenging their. Um, their regime. And so you see Yellen and Gensler and other members of the of the American government or you see, you know, the same thing happening in Britain or you see the same thing happen in Germany or see it at the EU level or whatever and it's always the same thing over and over and over again. So everybody who engages in that particular behavior is clearly working for Davos. And just run that as your heuristic and then just say okay, is that does that track? And if it tracks if the gloves don't fit, you got to acquit, right? I mean, if it if, if it keeps tracking, then you, you just keep doing that until something something changes. And whenever you see somebody not doing that, then you got to assume that they're fighting them. Yeah. And you don't always get every one of those right. You're not always right. This is one of the things I used to, you know, I remember telling Mike Shedlock a long time ago. Like Mike, it's really simple. My my argument is that these people are trying to fuck us all the time. I'm going to be right 75% of the time, just assuming that whatever they want to do is bad. It's a good assumption. Right? I mean, it's just to start there. And then if you're wrong 25% of the time, you're still batting 25, you're still batting about 40% better than everybody else. who's only right about 35% of the
0: time. Yeah. I but mean, on this-
1: we, we, you know, so go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say
0: on this particular tip, like Fed versus Davos, it seems like mm-hmm. you're right. You, you mentioned Yelling and the the Treasury. That's just one Entity trying to undermine them. But then, Mm -hmm. I mean, in recent weeks, you've had the UN and the IMF come out as well, essentially begging the Fed, hey, reverse Mm -hmm. your your rate hikes. And obviously Mm -hmm. we've seen interventions by the Bank of Japan, Bank of England, and uh, many other-
1: Now, all those interventions are slightly different. Yes. The Bank of Japan is acting as the Fed's wingman, by the way, whereas the Bank of England just took down their uh, the new government, in order to betray Brexit and put the UK back in the fold with the rest of Europe, and this has all happened since Liz died and Charles has taken over.
0: Is that is he involved in this in some way?
1: Oh, oh fuck yeah! Charles just over the weekend with the with the resignation of Quartang as uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer and Liz have and Liz Truss having to put in Jeremy Hunt, who's as big a remainer and as big a you know uh, uh, an Oxford blue blood you know, UK freaking oligarch simp as you could possibly imagine, um, as the as his replacement. Clearly they're they moving and then you go look at the polls in Britain. And, you know, conservatives are now polling at twenty-five percent, labor's polling at fifty-two percent.
0: How at the people latest
1: polls, I saw, latest polls I saw this morning on Europe elect is uh, Europe elect's is uh, on Twitter is uh, now going back into the EU is now a fifty-nine forty-one.
0: How could people look at the, the EU UK. and be like, I want to go back to that, especially with
1: because they betrayed Brexit at every turn and they've made break. They've made the life in the, U- in the UK worse since Brexit than it was before Brexit and now that Europe and now, that, and now, the, and now the, and now the middle of Britain is, has shifted at least according to the polls. And you believe Salt the polls to taste, I'm not, you know, remember the the polls on the eve of Brexit were that Brexit was gonna lose 55-45 and it wound up winning 52-48. So, are, you know, there's lies, damn lies statistics in British polling uh, in that order. So, you know, I it is what it is, but I don't know. What I'm saying is they've clearly shifted popular opinion in this direction It's been nothing but, you know, as the English would say, a dog's breakfast since uh, Boris Johnson took them out of the EU with Brexit. We always knew that the EU would never stop to try and get them back. The British aristocracy was all Remain. The crown, other than Liz, was Remain. Liz was not Remain. Liz was the only one trying to, you know trying to preserve or get back British sovereignty. It's why she and Trump got along. And it's why they were desperate to keep Trump from meeting with the queen.
0: I didn't realize that. You
1: remember remember, remember when Trump went to meet with the queen?
0: She missed She missed her knew. meeting? Yeah, what happened? No, no, that, no, right?
1: no, 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 no. They worked for weeks to try and block Trump from even going into Britain. They didn't even want to give the president of the United States a fucking visa into the United Kingdom to meet with the Queen, okay? Because you know Donald Trump isn't a real isn't isn't a real U.S. president. He's not an acceptable U.S. president. This is this was their argument.
0: Yeah, he's not a uh, not well put together enough to to meet the Queen. He's not hmm. dainty enough, but.
1: Bill. He'll embarrass the United States. How can he do this? Blah blah. It was just, it was just awful. No, what it was is they didn't want Trump and the Queen to work out a way to, you know, fuck the EU and screw everybody else over. Now, what a shock! Six months later, we get COVID.
0: But even with that, like, uh, let's say the Davos the Davos class has made gains in terms of brute forcing their agenda. But again. A lot of people, myself included, make the argument they're doing too much too fast. And then you have mm-hmm. these two parallel things running right now, which is this social aspect, which is the Dabas class trying to implement their communistic system on on the world. But then you have this yeah. elephant in the room, which is the global financial system, which seems to be in a very precarious situation. Are the two right. Intermingled is it the Great Reset oh, destroy yeah. the financial system so that we can usher this in, or is it an untimely coincidence for the Davos class where they're gonna have to juggle the social ushering with a financial calamity and people are gonna be like, hey, you sort of created this. Why will we go along with you on these social aspects?
1: Well, I, I think it's it, the problem is is that it's 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 very it's confusing because the in order for the Fed to beat Davos. They have to instit- They have to engender a financial crisis that will look like the one that people think Davos was trying to institute on their own. So it's gonna look that way. Same thing with them arguing that Putin gave them the war they wanted by invading Ukraine. So therefore Putin must be a WAF shill because he gave them the war that they clearly wanted. Right? he gave them the war they wanted. So that they can have a war, that they can use to cover the insolvency and the collapse of the of the, of the Western financial system, but they never wanted it to happen on these terms. You see, they always wanted it to happen on their time, in their way, with their parameters, ring fenced the way they wanted it, and the way they wanted it was that Europe would collapse last, not first. The Fed raising interest rates the way they are leaves the European Union and old European money center banks really vulnerable, really vulnerable. Whereas American banks, and you can argue with me all you want about how American banks are more are, more, are vulnerable, yeah, they are vulnerable. But so what? They have the Fed who can make infinite amounts of elastic money. The ECB doesn't have that opportunity, doesn't have that ability. It's not the same institution at all. And I think people need to wrap their heads around this. It ain't just one big club. If you're sitting there and you're JP Morgan, I keep saying this, you're Jamie Dimon, you're the head of JP Morgan Chase, you're one of the main shareholders of the, of the New York Fed. And these Euro Trash freaking German commies and old colonialists who your dad fought, you know, who's who the who JP Morgan himself fought. 120 years ago to have an independent banking system of, of the of from the UK. You think that there, I mean, like it doesn't make any sense. We've been fighting a, a a way out from underneath the British crown and from the old European colonial powers since the day Cornwallis surrendered to Yorktown for Christ's sake, these people. I mean, Hamilton was working for the crown for fuck's sake. He's <laughs> yeah. on the $10 bill
0: still be holding them to a degree. And so,
1: what's- So, so let me just finish, let me just kind of finish yeah. that point real quick, which is that, and then and I'll, I'll happily turn the mic back over. So when you really start thinking about it this way, the Fed has the ability to engender a crash in, bond, in in a sovereign bond crisis. Remember, what we saw in Britain just the other day with the pension funds blowing up because of the run on UK guilt, right? There was a run on UK sovereign debt at a time when the pension funds were weak because they're already down 30% in the equity markets or down 30% on their bond holdings, right? They're already down 10, 50, 25% on the pound itself, pounds down from $1.42 down to $1.10 before, or $1.14 before the, the run on the pound that two weeks ago that brought it to a buck four, right? Think about that. So all those British pension systems, were now looking at call, massive, Margin calls, massive, collateral calls. They either have to get rid of these investments, which they're upside down on, or they've got to somehow, you know, call up collateral from the companies that you know who that they, they manage here, right? That that manage whose pensions they manage. Well, who was not willing to throw post post collateral for these you know these leveraged debt instrument investments? The one who issued them, BlackRock. Who's BlackRock working for? Davos, the BoE comes in and gives them a, a lifeline for a couple of weeks, scaring the markets, and then says, all of a sudden says, nope, you've got until Friday.
0: Yeah, three days.
1: That was a that was a coup, that was a coup attempt. The BOE executed a coup attempt against the against the trust government, used the cover of the announcement of Trust's budget and tax scheme as the means by which to run a an operation, an economic hitman-style operation on the British pound and the UK gilt market, and guess who that was? A warning to the Italians, because when Maloney's government comes in, mm-hmm. and she's going to go and try and do the same thing, try and put up a put a, a fiscal plan together to save Italy. What do you think they're gonna to do to her? The same they're gonna run the same operation. They're gonna yep. try and split the coalition right when it gets when it gets it, it it gets formed, and then turn around and say, Oh no, she's not accepted. See, she doesn't know what she's doing. Then you get backstabbing within the you know the the coalition, Forza Italia maybe turns on her, but yada yada yada. And then what'll happen? Mattarella and the and the the Roman mafia political mafia will turn around and go, look, we're going to give you another technocratic government, a la Mario Draghi, Mario Monti, Renzi, and everyone else, so that that Italy does not have an elected government, because they haven't really had one since 2011, and nothing will change, and they'll threaten them through the bond markets. Now, Maloney, if she's smart, will just slow her roll. We'll see. But this is all playing out exactly. But that maps with all the factions that I've laid out. Trusts wanted energy security for Britain. Open up the exploration for oil and gas. Mm -hmm. Do away with fracking ban, right? Turn Britain into an energy exporting powerhouse over the course of the next 10 years. Lower taxes and lower regulations to to un- Fuck the British economy, which is stuck in first gear because of all these latent um, ties to the EU that still haven't been worked out post-Brexit, right? So that was the plan. She had a perfectly good plan. And at the same time, she's dealing with massively high energy prices. So, of course, okay, we're going to have to spend some money that we don't have by subsidizing people's electricity bills for maybe a year or two. It's going to be bad for the budget, but we can get through this with the United Kingdom, for Christ's sake. It's not like they're freaking Venezuela. Yeah,
0: it was really interesting how quickly they tried to, like, she put in those, those tax breaks, and then the week later, the pound crashes, yeah. the guilt market crashes. They tried to correlate it to that directly. Only yeah, and they after, did. They like, tried
1: to sell they, So they just timed it to the announcement and then ran the operation. And I don't know what, what operation they ran, but somebody obviously ran the, the, the stops on the U.K. guilt market somewhere and you know it wasn't hard to do at that point that's the way it it, you know and then they just write then they just write bogus headlines for the algorithms to uh to react to which they did
0: how effective can this be like because it seems like if they want to mess up trust they want to mess up maloney is there a timing aspect here like how long do they have particularly in the sovereign debt markets because it's getting pretty precarious. even here in the united states rates are getting astronomical the, the amount of interest payments alone is going up. Significantly, well, a, lot of, a lot of the uh, treasuries are due to mature in the next three years. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it seems like a, a pretty massive, the way you describe it, a pretty massive game of chicken with high mm-hmm. stakes at every turn and something could go wrong somewhere.
1: I, I think it is a big game of chicken. And the big question then is, Daniel D. Martino Booth, I don't know if you've watched the, the, the interview she gave over at Hedgeye the other day. Uh, with Keith McCullough, I watched it, and it was literally like she was telling me, "You're right, but you missed this, this, and this." So, young Padawan, go learn about these things. Leverage, loan debt, you know, the 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 whole the the federal the the Federal Reserve is not fighting inflation by raising interest rates because the Fed mostly owns tips, not treasuries. treasuries. Most yeah. of their treasury portfolio is in tips. And guess what happens when inflation goes up? What the tips do? tips go up in value. value. Yeah. Right. They don't have the so, inverse correlation. Right. The inverse relationship. correlation. If inflation goes up, then the value of the tips bond goes up in order to offset the loss, the the purchasing power loss through the CPI, the yield loss to the, CPI, the rise in the CPI. So I didn't know that. I I Don't ask me why I didn't know that. Probably because I'm just too freaking lazy to go look it up. Fair enough. But Booth made that point the other day. And I was like, oh, well, that yeah. You know, so the Fed, and since she used the words, the Fed is not fighting inflation by raising rate hikes, which is exactly what I've been saying for a long time. Keith McCullough followed up by saying, "Well, then, what are they doing?" She's like, "I can't say."
0: You're trying to break credit markets.
1: I can't. I can't tell you that. No, it's clearly what she was trying to say was she's they're trying to destroy the euro dollar markets. They're breaking the offshore credit markets, not the not the domestic credit markets. The offshore credit markets. They're trying to break the Hong Kong peg if you're a neocon. They're trying to break Europe if you're a libertarian okay so europe is because europe is the is the more perfect communist union so so
0: is so in this case you're like and this is hard for me to grok because somebody's been writing about it and thinking about mm-hmm. it and was radicalized when I was seventeen in the wake of two thousand and eight. The Fed is the good guy for freedom in this case?
1: They're the good guy for, in the fact that because their incentives are existential to fight Davos, that they're the better choice now, but they're still acting in their own best interest. They're not acting in our interest. They may be, it's very possible that they're looking at this going, well, you know, we can't can't continue to run our grift if they don't have access, if the people don't have access to our banks. So they, you know, Klaus von Kami schnitzel, he wants to do away with all that and just, you know, have, give it to the Fed. But the Fed isn't really running, a, doesn't really run a grift in that respect. Because the Fed is ultimately, is an ultimately a like government institution, ultimately. Because the Fed's not allowed to po- post a profit that gets distributed to shareholders. It all goes back to the treasury. The benefit to the New York banks who are the shareholders are that they have access to the Fed discount window they have access to. I mean, maybe they, there's some kickbacks to them, but ultimately, you know, in reality, the, the lion's share of what the Fed earns goes to the Treasury Department. Mm-hmm. On the, you know, like, no, it's indirectly does Wall Street benefit from all this? Of course, it, I'm not saying Wall Street doesn't benefit, but not in the, you know, the Fed makes 100 billion dollars on the on, on their on their portfolio every year, and then that gets distributed directly to the shareholders. No, that goes back to the Treasury Department. Right. So if you do away with the commercial banks who own the Fed and they don't have any secondary Bennies from being shareholders in the Fed by being able to use Fed policy to, you know, feather their nest, then where's their incentive structure to still be shareholders of the Federal Reserve?
0: Yeah, it doesn't exist. So what you're describing the, al- the alternative right. that Done. Davos wants, right? Is the C B D C that cuts out these banks.
1: Right. You don't want the two you don't have the two-tier transmission system where you've got the, the central banks and the commercial banks, and then the commercial banks and P- us, and the overlap between the two rings of the financial system, or the two transmission belts of the financial system. It's two different gears. You've got a gear over here between the Fed and the, and, and the commercial banks, and you've got a gear over here between the commercial banks and us. They want to collapse it into one gear, and they don't need the commercial banks anymore. So why do the commercial banks, so why should they even own shares in the Federal Reserve? So why would why would Jamie Dimon give this up?
0: Oh, exactly. Why would John
1: Solomon give this up?
0: He would. not Jamie's it's been stupid. a bit fiery too. I mean, you've seen him come out uh, in Congress and call out idiotic energy policy, say "drill, baby, drill." Yes. Really, I mean, he's himself has been posturing like anti, like let's not repeat.
1: He's been what they're posturing doing anti-Davos for three years now. It was his bank that refused to start he was the his was it was first jp morgan in 2019
0: they started the news they started to to take eurozone
1: debt as collateral for repos yeah he was the first one to deny them dollars
0: yeah because they rotated out of treasuries over the course of that year then when you had that overnight repo spasm it was because they weren't providing cash to that market anymore
1: Mm -hmm. they weren't providing the cash to the market, so the fed had to yeah but (sighs) if i look at this and i say And I said back then, I said, well, that'll give us about six months, a la 2007, 2008, because the repo market blew up in September of 2007. And then Bear Stearns was vaporized in 2008. So the Fed stepped in and created about six months worth of a halo effect, but didn't fix anything. And then there was gonna be another crisis and lo and behold, in March of 2008, as far as I'm concerned, that was gonna happen anyway. They just launched COVID to take everybody out. Yeah. COVID is a big, COVID a big financial psyop, guys. Not saying that the virus wasn't real and that we all didn't, a lot of people didn't die or any of those, it was that too. But I personally, at this point, am firmly convinced that the purpose of, the true purpose of COVID was to, put a, to drive a wedge between Trump and Powell, get the CARES Act passed, and forced the Fed to monetize a whole lot of debt that they didn't want to monetize. Powell was not consulted about any of this. He fought against the CARES Act and all of that shit tooth and nail. You go back to that, that time period, he was not happy about this. He had to go along with it anyway because he didn't have any options because Congress spent the money. The CARES Act gave BlackRock access to the Fed funds window to go mm-hmm. start buying up commercial, residential real estate all over the United States and, and uh, crowding out.
0: Corporate they the bonds, bonds too, right? They,
1: Corporate bonds too. And they got access to the plunge protection team, the equity, um, the equity uh, portfolio for the plunge protection team.
0: Yeah, I mean, the convenience of COVID and the ability to turn on the money printers in late March, early April 2020, and that also basically creating amnesia for what happened in September 2019 is and, very, uh, very, uh, too, perfect.
1: And think about this. The, um, that all happens and they can get rid of Trump. And what happened? That was a Davos wet dream. I guess who didn't print money? The guys who didn't agree to print money until the middle of 2021. The European Union. Hmm. the fed they were able to hold off that the the fed printed that. seven trillion or six trillion dollars the europe didn't i remember having peter book on my podcast and i was talking about that i was trying to bring these ideas up to him and he just dismissed every goddamn one of them he said, yeah but we printed seven trillion dollars in the and the ecb printed 600 billion so whose balance sheet is in better shape than ours than 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 ours theirs is so he was like there's no way that the euro is going to collapse there's no way this is going to happen the Fed does he literally said to me, go back and listen. To this, that I don't think that Jay Powell gets up in the morning and gives a, gives one damn about Europe at all. I'm like, I think you're wrong. It was not a it was not a fun conversation, by the way. It was it was it was one of the few times when I really had to be I had to hold my tongue against the guest. And um I thought I, by the way, I've turned out to be right. No offense to Peter, but you were wrong.
0: Well now. Now I'm just playing this out in my head. So Powell, just to try to understand your thesis and your perspective, Powell essentially had to wait for COVID lockdowns and the scare around COVID to basically go away. And then Mm -hmm. obviously we printed trillions of dollars and the justification for rate hikes were there. And then he used that as an opportunity to turn it up to 11.
1: What he did was he waited until the June of 2021 when the European Union was now ready to start printing money and to make the big pitch for, we're gonna set global monetary policy and coordinate it for climate change. And he stood up and said, no, two weeks before he raised the reverse repo rate, five paces points above the fed funds rate and ended the bull market in the euro. Those two things are correlated in time right around June 16th. Almost perfectly. It funds, the Fed meeting happened the same day that Biden was in Geneva meeting with Putin to stave off World War III then. The euro collapsed three cents that Thursday and Friday. The Fed made their announcement on Wednesday. Zero Hedge ran an article, ran a big nothing burger of a Fed meeting, except they raised this one little technical rate, five basis points. And I went, huh. And then the euro collapsed three percent, and then the reverse repo facility started blowing out. And then every day it was another headline: reverse repo um, rolling uh, uh, balances seven hundred billion dollars, nine hundred billion dollars. It hit a trillion dollars. Oh my God! Now it's one point five trillion dollars. Blah blah blah. Now it's two point three trillion. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say it's two. It's above two now. And 50- if you don't
1: think that, that 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 liquidity that that isn't money that the Fed can dump into the market at a moment's notice
0: in uh, 15 months If the later. banks
1: need dollars, they can go they can give treasuries back to the uh see the reason they needed to do that was that during covid the savings rate in the united states hit 30%. Normally it hovers between 5 and 7. If it ever gets above 7%, the fed likes to engage in QE by the way. Go look at it. Okay, I'm trying to understand that cuz even with the restatement of, of of us personal savings rates over the years 'Cause they've restated all the data. It used to be above five percent, now it's above seven and a half percent. But I have a I have a twelve, fourteen or a twelve year chart now, fourteen year chart of when QE starts and stops versus the savings rate in the United States.
0: So QE starts around above seven percent savings rate. And again, the mm-hmm. rationalization signal of
1: signal. Yeah. Right? So, Too much savings is is bad, so we need to we need, to, we need to get that money flowing. Mm-hmm. People are saving too much, so let's get that money flowing, okay? We're gonna, and QE is the way to do that by putting money into the system, even yeah. if it's only sterilized money. And like you entice people to control. get money
0: off the sidelines because they'll put it in equities or whatever because they know All the Fed's right, now, printing and it'll drive right, up those now, values.
1: So with the reverse, what's a reverse repo? A reverse repo is simple, when the, when the um, when the savings rate is high, the banks don't have enough collateral, don't have enough um, collateral to for all the savings. they got to hold Treasuries on their balance sheet as reserves to cover the savings. Or they've got to lend those, that money out, right? And then they can keep the loans on their books as the reserves, right? Mm-hmm. What if they don't want to lend? Because the lending environment sucks. What do they got to do? They got to get treasury somewhere. Who better to get them from? the Fed, who's got this big pile of treasuries that have been sitting on from all the years of QE, The reverse repo is the bank buys a treasury and gives dollars back to the Fed. Mm -hmm. So the Fed's sitting on two and a half trillion dollars with the money. The banks are sitting on two and a half trillion dollars with the treasuries to keep the treasury markets liquid. As the savings rate fell, now the need for reserves technically isn't as high but that money's still not coming out of the reverse repo facility why they're getting paid five basis points over the fed funds rate which is still better than lending it out into the market
0: yeah yeah so how does this play out what are they like what, like oh, in God. your mind i haven't
1: even explained half of this fucking story yet this is the worst part about this <laughs> well, like, this is the problem is that this is that complicated right marty i'm not that's and i don't mean that again this is not about my ego or any of this shit. this no. is just about what I've had to do in order to try and like make this thing fit all the pieces together.
0: Well, I'm sitting here and I'm but just like, understand
1: how does it play out? It plays out that the Fed has much more room to raise rates than anybody ever thought.
0: I saw you tweet, and You think they're going to go to 7% at least?
1: That's uh, 6%. Yeah. I don't know about seven. I mean, everyone, like, I don't ever take me seriously like about that stuff. Because I just send numbers out there just to tweak people. It's like, oh, you think you're triggered at three three and a quarter percent funds rate? Fuck you, they're going to six. Six? What are you kidding me? You're a a lunatic. I'm like, okay, maybe. But I want people to think about it. Like I do it on purpose. It's it's, it's just performance art, you know, in a certain... I don't know what the number's gonna be. It could be four and a half, it could be five. I don't know what it is. It's probably gonna be somewhere between four and a half and five percent. If all they do is raise the four and a half, five percent and hold it there... For six months or a year. Is that a pivot? Are you kidding? Is that air you think you're breathing? No, it's not a pivot. Five percent on the Fed funds rate for fuck's sake! Get over yourself. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! Come on! You were thinking everybody was screaming in January. They go to one percent, they'll crash the markets, and yeah. they'll have to give it all back and go back to the zero bound. Well, we're at three percent, and nobody's died yet except except Europe, Sri Lanka, the 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 the, the Bank of England. Who were had an operation run on them, but it's all Europe that's screeching. Lagarde is running out of Lagarde is the one running out of room at DCB. She's the ECB. she's the one who can't hold on the credit spreads. She's the one who's watched her currency over the course of eighteen months, sorry, fifteen months, drop from a dollar twenty-two to ninety-six cents. And her and the yields on her debt at the same time, mind you, go from 0.6% on the German Bund to 2.3% on the German Bund? Tenure?
0: Yeah, they're getting squeezed.
1: You so, don't think carry trades have been blown up? Interest rates, swaps have been blown up? Like, you don't think all this stuff is like everybody's hedge books have been blown up?
0: Well, that's screech. Yeah, when you factor leverage into the equation as well.
1: I, don't know. I haven't even talked leverage yet. <laughs> right.
0: It's like.
1: And who's stuffed to the gills with all this leverage free and sovereign debt, it, these sovereign debt instruments.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the people part of the who, good who problem, right?
1: Shape, who, who are in worse shape having been stopped, who have been stuffed into all of these leveraged debt instruments. The ones whose interest rates were even lower than ours. They were negative. Huh. <laughs> yeah, $12 trillion worth of negative yielding European sovereign debt at one point. Now imagine you're an Italian pension fund or you're a German pension fund, searching for eight percent yield, and your and the 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 balance of your and like the the marginal balance of your portfolio, like the 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 stuff that matters, where you're getting most of that yield from, is a bunch of LDIs you bought from BlackRock, <laughs> you know that are, you know, are that are now down thirty-five percent.
0: And then you factor in. You and the
1: don't... Fed wants to go up another two two. Whole 200 basis points on the Fed funds rate.
0: And you don't produce anything.
1: And you got no energy. You have an energy crisis. Empire, you've decided not to buy energy from Russia while well, you blame the United States for your policy. This is the part that like drives me up a fucking wall. Everybody's like, oh, the United States is trying to destroy Europe. Yeah, no shit. Good. Why do you care? It's right. the E.U.S.S.R. USSR for Christ's sake. Germany's the fourth Reich. They're all, they're militarizing again. Is anybody happy about this? Shouldn't we be trying to destroy these people? They're all commies. Klaus von Kami Schnitzel has a bust of fucking Lenin on his desk, on, his on his desk. Down the shelf behind his desk. His favorite economist is a French socialist by the name of Thomas Piketty. Who's, you know, the whose only distinguishing characteristic is that his economic theories are even less Less penetrable and, and 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 less logical than Keynes's were.
0: Yeah, what was his book called? Thomas Piketty, uh, the Capital
1: in the Twenty First Century.
0: Yeah, very long book, basically. Bad
1: book, impenetrable. <laughs> nobody reads it. No, nobody read it except it's for like nine hundred pages, either. right? I, I'd say I'd say most likely Klaus read the the, the CEO bullet point Cliff Notes version. Well, now let's go with that. Yes, we will go with that. That sounds good. Why oh, God. I can't even do a bad German accent. <laughs> you believe bugs, like you know. Come on, like this is coming. But I mean, it's not, not even that Klaus is anything other than the friggin', you know, PR Bond villain in this MI6 story. Like this, you know, this, this bad MI6 screenplay. It's clearly it's, you know, all the old, all the old European money. It's the British crown and the old, Euro, the, the old Dutch banks and Italian banks and German banks and, banks and Austrian banks and Spanish banks and French banks. This is what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with old colonial powers who who don't want to give up their neocolonialism and still think that they can use the the dumb, aggressive yanks to do their bidding. And I firmly believe that they're trying to get us into a world war while they destroy their middle class so that they can can discredit us completely and make us the most hated people on the planet. And they're succeeding at that, except that the Fed is going to break them first.
0: This is very interesting. Like, because this theory, outside of you, I have not heard anywhere.
1: Well, if you listen to the the, the hedge eye interview with Daniel D. Martino Booth, she's on it. Yeah, I honestly think that. Well, I honestly think that if you listen to her talk, you'll the things she's not allowed to say are all the things that I'm saying. And I didn't believe that until I watched it. And then I watched it and I'm like, yes, I will grow a little tail to be your Padawan. Like, I'm, I'm good, <laughs> like, you know.
0: Well, what does this mean for like, so me sitting here, individuals watching this, mm-hmm. it seems like there's this huge dick measuring contest between the people who run the world. Sucks yeah. <laughs> and, and we're, we're just beholden to this dick measuring contest.
1: Well, it's how I described it when I was on, the best way to describe it, I think the first time I, I did this, at least in a in, a, in, a, in a, a recent interview, I was I was trying to explain it to Tom Woods, uh, to a bunch of libertarians. So I really dumbed it down to, you know, just talk about incentives. Don't talk about, you know, just talk about the people and their incentives and all of this stuff. I said, look, just think of it this way. Yes, giants are fighting. The gods are fighting. We are ants trying not to get stepped on. We don't know, they are fighting for their own purposes. We may or may not benefit from one winning versus the other. We will most likely I I'm gonna be honest with you. We know what it like what it's like to live under these people, these neocolonial powers centered around Europe and the Euro dollar and the Euro dollar system. We know what that looks like. Right? Endless friggin' war endless conflict, and a stepwise march towards global technocratic communism. While everyone was winning, they were all willing to go along with it, including the New York banks and all the rest of it, and the Saudi sheiks and everybody else. The ones who were not willing to go along with it, clearly, were the Russians, because the Russians were primary commodity producers who were being told, you will supply all the oil and the gas and the coal and the aluminum along with the Middle East. Um, Eastern European, you Eastern Europeans that we've brought brought out of communism, you get to be our shoeshine boys and you get to cook our meals and you get to clean our toilets. Well, no, that's reserved for the Africans that they brought into Europe. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, please. Um, And... uh, we have a plan for the future that involves us putting up massive toll booths on the next iteration of the world's economy which will not be based on oil because we've decided that since we don't produce any oil you're not allowed to produce any oil europe doesn't produce any oil and gas anymore and what they and don't and and like in, in, in any appreciable amounts where they can feed themselves not unless the population of Europe wants to go back to 50 million people, do they produce enough oil and gas and coal to, to feed themselves.
0: They could if they wanted so, to. So,
1: what's that? Well, the, not really. They, I mean, the, the Brits have got a lot.
0: There's some off the coast of Cyprus? The Norwegians as well. are
1: mostly tapped out. I mean, if the Norwegians had more oil, stat, oil wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be investing in, in African, you know, uh, oil, con, you know, oil things off the coast of Cameroon and shit. I mean, they wouldn't be doing that. Statoil, the Norwegian mm-hmm. state, you know, petroleum company, the equivalent, the Norwegian equivalent of Rosneft, would be investing in domestic ex- exploration and production, but they're not. And it was a big deal, like you know, seven or eight years ago, even ten years ago, when Statoil started making investments overseas. Everybody's like, "Why is Statoil doing that?" I'm like, because they don't have any more freaking oil. So even the vaunted Norwegians. And to the lesser extent, the Finns and the Swedes. You know, the Scandinavian oil producers aren't really producing, don't really have access. There's plenty of, there's a lot of oil off the north sea, North uh, coast of Scotland, which the EU has told Scotland not to develop. And uh, they don't want to produce oil and gas. They want to move us to a nuclear hydrogen economy because they know that they have demonized Uranium and nuclear to the point where no way will we be allowed to have any kind of privatization of and decentralization of the uranium, the nuclear power market. It will be tightly controlled, more tightly controlled than the and more regulatorily captured than the oil industry currently is. If you think oil, if you think big oil is big and dangerous, forget it. Big uranium or big thorium, 100 times worse. And then big hydrogen as the fuel to put in our cars. We're not going to be running around with with batteries in our cars. We're going to be running around with PEM fuel cells and tanks of hydrogen, which we're going to get from it, which we're going to, that's their plan. And And it's not a bad plan. I don't have any problem with that plan. I have a problem with that plan being where we don't have control over the production of the electricity and the hydrogen, which we could do at our homes with, you know, modular with with 10 kilowatt, you know, PEM fuel cell technology that's been around from plug power and all these other small companies, fuel cell energy and others for 15 years. These people have had this stuff. It's out there and they, and guess what they run on propane. You can split a hydrogen off of, you can cleave a hydrogen off of propane in a PEM fuel cell and, and generate electricity and, and hydrogen that way. You can do it. They don't want to do that. Why don't they want to do that? You know the answer to that. You know the answer to that. So this is the big plan, and they were hoping to crash everybody else because if they can, if they can invalidate the United States and they can destroy the United States culturally, politically, economically, um, uh, uh, in every way, right? regulatorily, legally, destroy the 50-state compact if necessary, all of this stuff. They can do that. Then where's capital not going to flee to when Europe starts to collapse? The United States. Capital stays in Europe. Prices don't collapse completely. They're able to muddle through. And all that had to happen was that the Russians would knuckle under.
0: Hmm.
1: The Russians were actually helping to enable this for years by selling gas to Europe for so cheap. But the Europeans voluntarily gave up that arrangement. Why? Because Russia won't, refuses to be conquered; they still want to be able to supply oil and gas on their terms.
0: Can't believe these people
1: that. don't. These people don't believe in anybody else having control over their destiny. So Russia gets to produce all the, the cheap commodities. China gets to produce all the cheap plastic crap. The Africans get to clean the toilets. The Americans get to be their 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 army, their enforcement arm. Eastern Europeans get to be the you know, get to be the IT guys.
0: I'm trying to think through the conversation from the American perspective. Like at some point. Jamie Dimon, yeah. The commercial bankers, with access to the Fed, like you said, like when everybody's benefiting, everybody goes along with it. But at what point did the Americans stop benefiting and fighting back? Like, what was it? Was it COVID
1: particularly? Was it? No, it was before that. It was before they that. saw it. They saw it all the time. So, part of the thesis that I haven't presented today, or the, the argument I haven't presented today, is the difference between sulfur the secured overnight funding rate, mm-hmm. and LIBOR. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, LIBOR, the London Interbank Offer Rate, has been the uh, the debt benchmark for dollar-based lending since the 1890s.
0: Completely right? rigged market. It's been pretty
1: well, Completely rigged market, but most importantly, a completely London and Europe-controlled market. Okay. So, the argument that the euro-dollar system was actually Setting monetary policy far more than the Fed was setting monetary policy it was correct. Jeff Snyder, formerly of Valamber Partners, kept talking about this for years. Where Jeff made the mistake is not believing, is not is, is believing that the Euro dollar system, he said this. So I'm only quoting him now. But I'm gonna throw his, his ass under the bus too. because I don't give a shit. I wanna win I I I want I don't wanna eat bugs. So I don't give a shit whose toes toes I step on.
0: It. I'm not eating bugs either.
1: No, I'm just not bugs. I, I, I like steak too much. Fuck them. So, and Jeff said this. He said, when the Fed started raising interest rates and he really started getting antsy about what was happening and banging his shoe on the table about how terrible all this was, he said, you don't understand. The Eurodollar system is the free market reaction against the Federal Reserve, against the central banking system that's bullshit. That's op- that is tell number one that jeff snyder is uh, is either o- is either owned and operated or just as an operative or is just too friggin stupid for all of the smarts to understand that this is not a free market system this is a system controlled and created by oligarchs for oligarchs to control the central banks and control national policy and and undermine national sovereignty more so than the central banks actually are, because if you have a transnational shadow banking system that doesn't respect borders, controlling all the individual country central banks, then how is that? How is that free market? Free market again? reaction. Yeah. Off of the off of the central <laughs> bank creating the liquidity.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem right. very free, and we and we have right. evidence of this supranational, I mean, the Bank of International Settlements. Have you ever seen uh, all the plenary's men that dives into the HSBC fines and how the BIS basically stepped in and said, hey, US Treasury, like, we're not going to respect your laws. Like, we're just going to hit these guys with a slap on the wrist. Mark Carney had to step in. Right. All this shit.
1: Right. So, um, so back to SOFR versus LIBOR, I said, as of January 1st, 2021, all of U.S. debt will now be indexed to SOFR. LIBOR will be phased out, and LIBOR as a as an instrument uh, will lose all of its, U.S. dollar LIBOR will lose all of its liquidity by the middle of next year. Oh, by the way. And um, why SOFR is important is because when the Fed, in the past, whenever the Fed raised interest rates, and everybody else was all the debt in the world was indexed to libor if london banks caught a cold because the fed was raising interest rates libor would blow out to the upside which would then come which would then translate across the atlantic to american banks who may or may not have had any trouble with loan servicing because what if the british economy was in the shitter fed raises interest rate but the american economy was in good shape right well you raise interest rates the fed raises interest rates by two percent libor blows out the you know has a you know, blows out a hundred basis points above that. And what's happening over here is is then our banks have to respond to that because of LIBOR, all of our banks have to, and all the debt that was written as a premium or discount to LIBOR, also have to adjust your credit cards, your HELOCs, your adjustable rate mortgages, right? Your revolve, your your credit revolvers of your corporate, right? They all mm-hmm. right move up and down every quarter, right? So even if the underlying, even if the issuer of the credit revolver isn't any, doesn't need the money, but goes up, it's LIBOR, this is the contract. It's just math. It's just code at that point. Code gets executed. So now that same debt in the United States is indexed to SOFR. Mm -hmm. SOFR is tight in the Fed funds rate. SOFR is independent of whatever happens with LIBOR. Now, I'm not saying that that has actually borne itself out yet, right? Because if you watch the way SOFR versus one month LIBOR has traded, what LIBOR has been doing is anticipating the next Fed funds rate hike. And then it rises as a premium over SOFR to approximately what the it expects the fed funds rate to be the the, the new one to be and then it, and then the spread collapses so it goes up and then down and up and down and up and down right but at some point it's going to rise above that because the actual money markets are under stress because there's no other sources of dollar liquidity
0: natural interest rates And And what you'll see is you'll
1: see that, as opposed to on the day of the Fed funds meet, a Fed FOMC meeting, as opposed to LIBOR trading 85 basis points over SOFR, anticipating 75 basis points by the Fed, you'll see a point. You see 100 basis points or 125 basis points, 150 basis points. And when that happens, that's when you know, then the the, the gnashing and wailing of teeth overseas is going to be insane. What you see between now between Fed meetings is always LIBOR trying to hold back that anticipation for as long as possible. Holding that spread to like six, eight, ten basis points, and all of a sudden it's gonna start jumping four, five, six basis points a day to and it goes. Ooo-wee, ooo-wee, mm. Right? As Swing opposed up. to being a nice as opposed to being a nice straight lineup. Yeah. All right. So the point being is that. Europe's banks can now get in trouble. And since the Fed has all this liquidity in the reverse repo facility, standing repo facilities, all this shit, they've got all the tools they need to, to keep the markets back. as liquefied as, as the banks need to be. They have different tools than they had in 2008 that are designed for today's environment, which is fundamentally different than it was back then.
0: Yeah, yeah Basel three banks are better capitalized, it's not a housing crisis, it's...
1: And Basel three changed the rules on gold to advantage the ECB because they're trying to, they, they need part of what keeps the Fed, the confidence in the Fed high is a low price in the price of gold. Mm-hmm. Basel three was designed to change the way gold trades and is held on the balance sheet so that unallocated paper gold or unallocated futures gold contracts Gold futures contracts can't be held at par as bank reserves anymore, meaning physical gold is an alloc- only allocated physical gold can be used as a source of net, um, as FSR, funding stabilization ratio. So it's favored. And that's no, the net, uh, net funding stabilization ratio, which is basically, you know, the capital adequacy ratio under Basel three for, European for Basel 3 compliant banks meaning that
0: there's more demand for physical the physical
1: gold is going to has to Europe wants a higher physical gold price why mm-hmm. because all the f- 4.88 trillion dollars worth of uh European sovereign debt and and uh and and corporate debt and swap and, and 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 central bank swaps that's on their balance sheet are all falling in value as interest rates rise as the as they're as rates rise the price of those bonds fall so the ECB's balance sheet is actually falling what they want is to have a higher gold price to offset the loss the fed of course doesn't want a higher gold price because then that calls into question their ability to be a good steward of the dollar so by the fed raising interest rates they create a massive demand for dollars which puts which continues the rating of the paper markets and gold for dollars using the pay the 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 gold futures market in the united states which is mostly cash settled and in london mostly cash settled right um as the piggy bank to get dollars in an emergency because it's the easiest way to get dollars sell gold by by dollars easier than selling anything else almost almost the easiest trade in the world it's even easier than certain treasury maturities so Basel three oh, yeah. is a Basel three was an, is is designed to help the ECB get through the current crisis and the Fed is raising interest rates aggressively to drain the euro dollar markets destroy Bank gearing and access to credit in dollar access to credit and dollar gearing overseas drain the shadow banking system and force while at the same time having the tools necessary to insulate the American banking system from Europe's collapse, which the Fed is engineering, and what's the source of power of all of these fucking ass old old inbred assholes all across Europe? The eurodollar system. Mm-hmm. Where, is Char- where is Charles's real power as king of England? It's in their. It's in. It's in the the British Crown's wealth portfolio.
0: Fascinating, because you have rumors swirling. Last week, I believe that liquidity for gold physical was drying up between LMA and Comex, mm-hmm. and then obviously at the Fed. So it's yeah. It's, it just seems like you're you're seeing these these blows in real time. Most people are unaware of the game that you're describing here.
1: Oh yeah, and the the Comex and the LBMA are getting drained. Yeah. And we're going to go to a physical market soon. There's no doubt. Right. And I, you know, the Russians are setting up a physical gold exchange. The Chinese already have one. Singapore's got one. Dubai has got one. I mean, the Fed's game about, you know, holding the price of gold down is going to end. Certainly. I mean, I don't have any doubt about that. But, and the reason, again, the reason why the ECB wants a rise in gold prices is because they mark the gold on their balance sheet to market. Whatever the market price for gold is, that's what they do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the ECB is getting squeezed at every every moment here. They're getting squeezed on their sovereign debt by the Fed. They're going to squeeze on their gold, right? They're squeezed in the
0: FX markets.
1: Squeezed in the FX market. Squeezed in the energy markets.
0: And they're getting squeezed pretty hard. It's almost right.
1: like Putin and Powell are coordinating policy here. My wife's coming through in the background.
0: So how does this so, play out? How quickly does it play out? How slowly does it play out?
1: I, I don't know. That I mean, again, I'm not gonna. I I I I would love to give a name, give a name or uh, you know name a date or whatever. But let's look ahead to something you talked about earlier. Um, The the United States is staring at the beginnings of a big rollover period, starting next summer. Mm -hmm. A lot of U.S. debt has to be rolled over next summer. The Treasury's gonna have to do so at much higher rates. The effect on the budget now has been bad. It's gonna get incrementally worse if not. a a lot worse when a lot of that debt has to be rolled over. It's why Janet Yellen is talking about now buying back some, some debt. Right.
0: Yeah. Weren't they asking the banks like, like, Hey, do you want to buy? Yeah. She asked the banks last week. Like, would you want us to buy some of these treasuries from you?
1: Sure. Um, right. Cause, but they're still, they're still, you know, and, and US gross tax receipts this year hit a massive record, like $4.8 trillion. That should. And yet, they want, and yet they want to raise taxes again. Like I have no, you know, like there's many ways to get out of this, Marty.
0: Well, this year is going to be interesting because you don't have the capital gains taxes, which yeah. make up a material portion. Then you have people being exacerbated by inflation. You have to imagine.
1: Oh yeah, the, the tax receipts are gonna roll over badly next year. They're gonna be terrible next year. But right now they've got they're actually flush with cash. They can actually, they can actually if if the people in DC actually wanted to be pro-American in their policy, and I'm talking specifically about Democrats and Rhinos, then they would be proposing tax, they would be proposing spending cuts, regulatory cuts. And tax cuts, but they're not. They're talking about everything else. They're talking about the exact opposite of that.
0: Yeah, the Inflation Reduction Why? Act came with some interesting. Yeah, like are you kidding
1: spending. Me? Yeah, are you kidding me? So these people are vandals. They work they for a foreign power, and that foreign power is not China. Fed policy is destroy is is the hawkish policy is doing, you know, is 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 having bad effects on China. But at the same time, ready? The Chinese are gearing up because they know that the, that the United States no longer wants to be the holder of the global reserve currency. At least the Federal Reserve doesn't. Powell talked about this. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to manage the global reserve currency anymore. He knows it's a bad idea. He's always known it's a bad idea. He knows. He's always known it's been bad for the, the United States. He's even said at a Humphrey Hawkins testimony last year or earlier this year. There's more than there's, there's room in the world for more than one reserve currency. Mm-hmm. Okay, China's gearing up to become a, uh, becoming a regional reserve currency for Asia. By the way, so is the ruble to a lesser extent. What does China have to do in order to to, to pull that off? They've got to massively print yuan
0: yeah they got to do While everybody well everybody else that, is that's... tightening.
1: While everybody else is tightening, the PBOC has the opportunity now, especially with Xi just being elected leader for life, which is which translates in market speak to political stability.
0: That would make sense because they want to reserve currency; they got to flood the rest of the market.
1: They're going to have to flood the world yuan. with and and then sell them yuan-based, you know, um, you know Chinese yuan debt. Yada, yada, yada. And they've set up the infrastructure
0: of Belt and Road Initiative, where mm-hmm. that makes it very easy
1: to get in that. recycle trade surpluses and all the rest of it yes Mm -hmm. so it's here it's all coming how does the united states get out of this well they collapse europe and destroy it and europe i hate to say it europe deserves it i know none of you vote i know none of you voted for it but none of you also were able to get over your own internal divisions to actually vote in people who wouldn't betray you by leaving uh, confused electorates and and election results that allow Davos to construct weak coalition governments that do their bidding and freeze out any populist parties or neuter them as the case may be like, I hate to tell it. I hate to say this to you, but you got no one to blame but yourselves. Even though, yeah, and your and your leadership is just as traitorous as ours. Same thing in the UK, everywhere else. I I feel for everybody, but at the same time, you know, as a game player, as a, you know, as the board analyzer, like this is the world. And you guys had the opportunities to get over your own sense of Europeanness and say, I'm not going to vote for those guys. Germans, you had the opportunity to vote for AFD, give them 30% of the vote and shut the Greens down. And you did, you voted for Greens. You voted for the SPD, the Greens and the Free Democrats.
0: And the Greens are gifting you with an energy crisis. And not only that, they're gloating in the middle of the energy crisis too. This is good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the same thing. I can look at Spain. I can look at um, all, Sweden finally got their heads out of their ass. The Italians got their heads out of their ass. But you know, you've got deep state. I mean, if you think the swamp is deep in DC, like, like come on, dude, we're pikers compared to Rome.
0: Well, they can do it,
1: you but they've got do a it here. They, they can get a government elected in, but they can they may not get past the mafiosi in overarching Rome, mafia in Rome. That's yeah. the problem. And that gets really freaking murky. Like, I mean, I could do another hour on just that alone. Um, so, you know, when I look at this, you know, I have both sympathy and no sympathy. Like, I don't have any sympathy for anybody who votes Republican straight down the line. If your option is Mitt Romney and some other rhino for Senator in Utah. No, you vote for the Libertarian if he's on the ballot. You write in no one otherwise. You do something. Or better yet, you storm the Bastille and you tell Mr. Romney, like, you know, that's it. But I understand at a certain level, we all feel kind of powerless about this. And I understand that politics got us into this mess and it's not gonna get us out. And I've got all my bromides for this shit, I I get it. But part of me also just looks at it and goes, Very dispassionately at this point, and goes, "Yeah, it's a big shit sandwich. We all have to take a bite. Now, what are you going to do about it? Like the French know how to throw a party, but I mean, you know, that was actually.
0: Do you follow uh, Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Project or Tenth?
1: A little bit. I I know the name. I haven't followed. I haven't followed him closely, but I I, but I like the Tenth Amendment Project.
0: Yeah, and the uh, (laughs) I watched one of his YouTube videos over the weekend, the four principles needed to stoke a revolution. That's like, again, going back to the Bromites about, you're not going to fix the political mm-hmm. system via the political system, via voting. You really need to engender a movement of ideas around like, hey, like this republic was started and the government wasn't supposed to have anywhere near the power that it has today, you live under the largest government that's ever existed in the history mm-hmm. of humanity, that is, that would, cause the founding fathers to shriek and again going back to like we were, you can't vote your way out of this i've been convinced of that but the only way out is to engender this idea revolution where people wake up mm-hmm. and say hey i have a 10th amendment i had this states have their own rights they're mm-hmm. like i literally just need a tipping point of individuals in the united states specifically to stand up and say no you're not gonna you're or back search.
1: politicians in at the state level that are, that are winning, and I look to my own home state, the state great state of Florida. Florida man is awesome. We have Ron DeSantis, and Ron DeSantis is reminding everybody that state governments are powerful, and they're yeah. more powerful than the federal government. If they just say, well, you know, if the federal government's going to fuck us, then we don't want their help, and we'll rebuild. I mean, what he pulled off in like. you know, in in Fort Myers area after Hurricane Ian already, like getting the Sanibel Causeway rebuilt in three days. Like, dude, are you kidding me? Well, it's like Putin rebuilding the Kerch Strait Bridge in four days, right? Road traffic across the Kerch Strait Bridge was resumed within a week. Okay. This is what happens when you don't have a whole bunch of people actively trying to stop things from happening for political reasons to feather their own political nest when you break through the mafiosi and you break through the union bosses and all the rest of them because they didn't get their, you know, their envelopes of fucking cash. When the Florida governor walks in with the frigging national guard and just starts getting shit done. And you're like, Oh,
0: it's actually that bad.
1: I guess I I don't get my envelope of cash to go lay concrete. Yeah. You don't fuckhead. Now go now. Now get out of here. Before I put your ass in jail, like,
0: people this is, you know
1: yeah. this you know this is the beginning, and this is why they're deathly afraid of Ron DeSantis. Yeah, and well, um,
0: well, with the world going to shit, with the energy crisis, with the economic crisis, I mean, the opportunity has never been better for yes. people to recognize the power that Ron DeSantis has within his state. Like, I don't even think he should run for president. I think he should just stay in no, Florida and really. We don't want
1: him to run for president, even though I think that him and Tulsi Gabbard are the perfect unity ticket. But and I, could... I said this, And I said this earlier in the year. I said this at the beginning of the year. I said the perfect unity ticket is Tulsi Gabbard running as the VP for Ron DeSantis. And she runs and she handles the foreign policy. He handles the domestic policy. They run <laughs> a Reagan. They run a Reagan Volcker. And again, I said this a year ago, like 10 days after Powell raised interest rates by uh, the reverse repo rate by five percent, five basis points. He said, oh, I can see how this plays out. Yeah, it's setting up a Reagan-Bulker-style revolution, and it's now playing out now. And, and I'm not the only one saying it anymore. And now, either because they've listened to me and now are parroting me, or they've come to those same conclusions independently. Great, I don't give a shit. Doesn't matter. I don't want the credit. I don't need the credit. My ego is, my ego is good enough. Like it's, 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 it gets fed every goddamn day. I don't need it. What I need is for people to realize that this is the fight that we're in. And like you said, I agree with you, a a revolution of ideas that is, and a a revolution in the way we think about the way the world operates. And we use that as the means by which to um, really fundamentally change the way we, um, Approach all of this stuff so that we're not sucked in by the stupid little, if not A then B, false dyad psyops that they lay in front of us, which you and I opened the show with. And that's the important thing to understand: the Stroussian two-step that they run on us every day, and they run multiple layers of on us every day. You just have to say no. That's that's bullshit. That's not, not That's that's nonsense. I'm not I'm not buying that. And I'll be honest with you: as I said earlier, I really do think that for the most part, American people get it and and i think a lot of european people get it too and i mean you know these the the i'm consistently amazed at the whitewashing of the media whitewashing of the 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 extent to which of european people are taking the streets and revolting and you never see anything like it's amazing like the yellow best protest never ended in france
0: no, never i was over there i saw it firsthand hmm. yeah but that's the thing like with the whitewashing And like the glossing over them, really not highlighting does that. It does seem that there is a material amount of people beginning to wake up and recognize the game that's being played and try to get this idea revolution going. Like it seems like we're at I don't don't know if we're at a critical tipping point, but we're definitely at a point where it's like okay, people recognize this now. Just how do we? I don't want to say organize because organize brings bad connotations with it. But like, how do we begin increasing the momentum?
1: all we, Marty. All we have to do is keep putting the, the our own individual pressure and burble it up through the zeitgeist. Like that's that that's the real power because that's decentralized. That's something they can't stop. Mm-hmm. Okay, and eventually it burbles up to people like Elon Musk. It eventually burbles up to other people who are in positions to change. Yeah, the, change the conversation completely.
0: Yeah, we're seeing this. I mean, it's state treasuries like Louisiana, South Carolina divesting from BlackRock. It's a great signal right there.
1: It's a beautiful signal. Yeah, especially since I think BlackRock's the next Lehman. But again, I'm running to- out of time. Unfortunately, I've got a. I my wife and I made a. Uh, I. Uh, weirdly enough, I'm to- talking about all this stuff, but I made an appointment to go to go look at a goat this afternoon. I I might have to. I have to, <laughs> have to run in a couple of minutes and go and go look at an, uh, and go look at a buck. Um, because I need a new breeding buck. So,
0: well, let's end it with just like a little teaser on the BlackRock theory.
1: Sure, um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave some some people with some with a little bit of thought. Everybody's worried about BlackRock, and they're eight nearly eight trillion dollars worth of assets under management. That's nice, but what does that mean? This is a company that makes between ninety-five and a hundred billion dollars a quarter in asset management fees. Right? Tip. I want you to. You don't have to be an MBA to read BlackRock's balance sheet and think about what it's gotten itself involved in and invested in over the last couple of years since it got access to the Fed funds window, since it got access to all this stuff. Now, look at his shareholder equity. All of BlackRock's money is built on $38 billion with the shareholder equity. I'm sorry, dude, but that is not a lot of money in, a, <laughs> in an interest rate rising environment when you are heavily exposed. To real estate.
0: Yeah. On the corporate.
1: Corporate.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, not looking good. All right. That's a good note to end it on. BlackRock could.
1: Especially since JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, what did they do to Lehman Brothers? See ya. They took Lehman Brothers down and took all their business. Yeah. They took their book of clients. Huh. Interesting. All right. That's the way I look at it. I'm like, if I'm Diamond, I'm like, huh. I know how to fuck Larry Fink. Yeah. Hey, Fink, suck Satan's cock.
0: (laughs) Uh, Larry's backed himself into a corner like the ESG narrative's failing so hard. It's beautiful to see.
1: He He backed up the truck on Davos winning. in 2020, getting rid of Trump and everything else, and now he's trying to figure out a way to get himself out of it.
0: He had a few. I'm, peric-
1: telling you, I'm telling you, family offices are looking for new places to invest money. Um, 401k contributions are going to start dropping. Pension systems are going to go are going belly up. He's going to be asking for a bailout. Everybody's expecting that he's going to go to the Fed and and ask the Fed for a bailout, and he thinks he's going to get it. And I'm telling you, I don't think he's going to get it. I think what's going to happen is they're going to carve him up. And they're gonna take him out. I want you to go look at BlackRock stock chart. Go, go. I, I did this for my patron, the other patrons the other day. I, I looked at the Q three close, so the end of uh, September, the last week of September. That was a breakdown on the stock, technically, below long term support on that week. But it also translated to the monthly and quarterly chart.
0: And then BlackRock had,
1: is right now tracing a bankruptcy chart or at least a move back down into the three hundreds. And he's 5, had 50.
0: that uh that city analysts came, come out and downgrade their stock basically purely on the, I don't even think looking at technicals, looking at the ESG narrative and saying this narrative is failing, it's backfiring, sell the stock. Because they want that. When it comes
1: right down to it, people who control real money don't like losing 35% because of virtue signaling. No,
0: No. I, I, that's one of my good calls from earlier this year, who knows if it was individuals like yourself, myself, others bubbling up signal that ESG is bad and creating this this market sentiment in this like, guys, but I said on stage. I saw it
1: last year firsthand at the Bitcoin 2021 when they were discussing ESG and ESG compliant Bitcoin, green Bitcoin and all that stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I just looked at it. I just, and the mood in the room was like, yeah, fuck fuck you. (laughs) It was, it was not good. It was so not good. I'm like, yeah <laughs> we're like, dis- I, love, I love these people this all the glitz and the glamour and the and the in the vegas of miami at bitcoin 2021 and all of a sudden i'm like and there's I'm, I'm still seeing that whole phone freaker friggin mentality and i'm just like oh yeah this culture hasn't fucking changed <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh we're gonna destroy sg we're gonna beat davis We'll eventually beat the Fed as well. We will be free.
1: And then we'll, yeah, it's like, look, let the Fed do our job for us in the short term and then we'll turn on them. Yes. I'm, you know, I have my, I have my goals. So.
0: We've got a battle of ideas upon us freaks. Let's get, get all these good ones bubbled up because Mm -hmm. uh, I have a two and a half year old and a four month old and they will not be living in a world where they're debt slaves and digital slaves. So.
1: Two and a half. That's a great. That's a great age. Yeah, that's great. The, uh, once they hit three, they become the most interesting little people. So good for you, man. I'm. I'm so happy for you. I. Didn't, I didn't know. That's great. Um, I only had one, and it's you know my big regret, didn't have kids earlier. So,
0: thank you for that. Go, get a goat.
1: All right, gotta go. But you be well. Um, so everybody, you can you know do the thing. You know we'll, you link to, on we'll link to everything you can find me on twitter you can find me you know my my, my uh my blog is tomolongo.me you guys know where i am your twitter handle we'll doesn't
0: do you any favors it's it's very hard to remember TFL
1: 1728 it's an old it's my old handle from ages ago it's your because aim because when i when i and i, I refuse to change it so i love my i love my twitter handle because I mean, everybody needs a good george lucas reference in the morning
0: yes but I, when i'm going to try to like search you i'm like what is it tfl
1: tnl then Hey, I can I never remember it. My, it's my initials. I know. It doesn't do me any. And that's actually good. I like it that That's way. good. All right. All right. Marty, you take care. You too. See you, dude. Be well.